you're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. Okay, so today I am about to hit up a topic that is potentially the most highly asked, highly confusing, and highly contentious topic you will ever have with a newborn baby, sleep. In this episode, we're going to discuss a few key areas in regards to sleep myths, sleep advice, and how to survive when there is just no sleep. Before pregnancy, you would have slept on your terms. If you decided to stay up all night, usually to party, and you decided to, today was a day for sleeping in, or if you were going to make early plans. Getting up to work was probably the biggest commitment that you had as far as getting yourself out of bed. And even though then pre-kids, you may have thought you were just so tired, you then have kids and realized you want to slap your pre-kid self in the head as you had absolutely no freaking idea on what tired really was. So had pregnancy, you're tired yet probably too uncomfortable to rest soundly and have a bladder that is being both squished and kicked, so regularly needing to get up in the night to pee. At least those pee stops, though, are usually pretty short and sharp and you get a chance to get back to bed swiftly. Then it happens. The baby arrives. The first 24 hours post-baby is usually an adrenaline high. You stare at the wee bab. Even when they're resting, you want to watch them. You want to hold them. You want to talk about them or you're announcing their arrival on social media and then thanking people for their comments. And you all know that I'm right. Then you hit day two. And for those of you who listened to episode one, you will all know how pleasant day two is, not. So you're exhausted, you're teary, and usually wishing you'd slept on day one when the baby was actually fond of a nap or two. And the bad news is that once day two is over, it's not as if sleep all of a sudden is now heading your way. It is literally just the start of a sleepless few months at least. Getting your baby to sleep more or settle better or sleep somewhere else that's not just in your arms is pretty much a huge focus in those early few months. The first six weeks will be the worst and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. In those first six weeks, you will be a fantastic mix of exhausted, hormonal, probably still a bit sore potentially and still very much in a state of what does my baby need? What does my baby want? And then there's also a little dash of, am I even doing this motherhood thing right? So any sleep tips or when your Facebook friend's cousin tells you that they have a baby who sleeps all night and they did this and your acquaintance on your Facebook mum groups tells you they know the right clock to make your baby settle and grandma tells you to give them bourbon, etc. This can all be so confusing to say the least. It is really tempting to try it all and to do anything really that it takes. And then you feel like a failure when nothing seems to work for your baby, even though old Shelly from the October due date mums group on Facebook swore her baby slept all night from three weeks because of what she did. If I can scream one thing, please, please hear me. It is not one size fits all. Every single baby is different and your baby will sleep through the night eventually. I'm not going to suggest a remedy. I'm not going to give you the Da Vinci code of baby sleep. If I knew that, I'd be a millionaire. But what I am going to do is give you a few hints and tips that may actually help you along the way. The first wee gem that I tell women I look after as a midwife is about swaddling. 
Swaddling or wrapping, for those of you who have a confused look on their face right now in the car, helps a baby feel safe and secure, similar to when they were tucked up in a ball tightly inside your belly. Not only this, but it also means that when they startle, which they do on average every 40 minutes or so while they're sleeping, if not more, the jolt is only small and their flying hands don't jump up so much that they actually wake themselves up. Getting your midwife to teach you how to swaddle your baby is a godsend. Parents are generally far too gentle. They loosely wrap a wrap around their babe and wonder why in five minutes there's one hand up on their face and a leg sticking out the other side. It needs to be firm and secure. You can find good YouTube videos on swaddling and there are also products out there that help make it easier for you. What swaddling also does is by keeping their wee hands out of their face and away from their mouths, it stops them from sliding a hand past their wee mouths and then stimulating their sucking reflex, which then gets them all up and rearing to be fed again And when they often don't need it, or they actually aren't even hungry, but they get themselves all worked up and ready. So for those two reasons, it should be more than reason enough for you to swaddle that baby of yours to potentially buy yourself more time. There is nothing more tear-jerking than when you finally get your unsettled baby off to sleep and to either go to sleep yourself or even just sit down for today's breakfast at 11am and 15 minutes later you have a baby who has woken themselves up by a startle or a rogue hand on their mouth because they've escaped a wrap. Trust you me, it is enough to bring the most content mum to tears. I assure you, I have been there. I remember with my first two, I was shown how to swaddle and it was a godsend. I mean, there were still times that I was too gentle and put a sleeping baby down only to have them wake up again soon after having escaped the wrap and ready to party. I was not impressed. When sleep time can be your sanity check, it is really, really hard. With my second two kids, and you'll often hear me refer to my kids as the first two and the second two, as the older kids are two years apart, and then seven years later, we had another two kids two years apart. So we often feel like we have two sets of kids. So yes, back to my second two. I discovered a product called Love to Dream Swaddles, as I was gifted one from a friend. Let's just say this changed my life as far as swaddling went, as it's a zip and forget sleeping bag. You literally zip it up, and they're stuck in there. As long as you have the correct size and it's firm enough for them, it won't let them startle too much. I've never had a rogue arm again, and I've pretty much used them every sleep for the first six months with both my third and fourth children. And no, I'm not sponsored by them, but man, I would have earned some serious commission if I was over the last five years, as I literally recommend them and buy them as gifts for pretty much every friend who has a baby and every woman I look after as a midwife. I've also never had someone tell me that their baby escaped one either, so they are a good one. Remember that. Don't get me wrong. There are similar things around there as well, where you can zip your babe in rather than having to try and master the fine art of how to fold and tuck and pull a sheet or a rack around your babe. So have a look around and definitely give one a try. And man, there will be a bunch on your local secondhand selling pages as well because you use them for such a short time when your baby's young. So definitely grab something secondhand and get a bargain and try it out. So my takeaway on the great swaddle debate is to do it from birth until your bub is rolling as then it becomes more risky to have them swaddled and unable to push themselves up if they roll onto their tummy. For those of you out there shaking your heads, which there will be some, telling me that your baby doesn't like being swaddled or they must have a hand up in order to sleep soundly, I'm going to offer you two bits of advice. Firstly, persevere for more than one nap. Often, babies may fight it a little bit the first time they're swaddled, especially if you're introducing it a few weeks after birth or even later. But often they give up the fight and actually start to settle faster and sleep better once you start doing it regularly. And secondly, trying something where they can keep their arms raised, something like the Love to Dream Swaddle or other styles similar, 
is often the best of both worlds if you do have a baby that does automatically put their hands up when they go to sleep. I do think it's definitely worth looking into, ladies, as I have seen some fantastic results. And that's just not from my own kids, it's from other kids as well. The next wee gem of advice I'm going to impart on you is that sleep breeds sleep. You could give me a dollar for every time I have been told that it's a good idea to keep babies up all day so they might sleep better at night. I'd be a millionaire. This is a myth because an overtired, exhausted and cranky baby is more likely to be harder to get to sleep and sleep worse than a baby who's had regular naps throughout the day. So please do not drive yourself insane trying to stimulate your new baby all day with the hope they'll crash and burn and sleep all night on the other end of it. It won't work. And you're only going to be more tired and cranky yourself, which is not fun. A new baby in the first six weeks of life generally needs to be back off to sleep after only being awake for pretty much an hour, an hour and a half max. Often after a 45-minute awake period in those early weeks, your babe's going to start showing tired signs and need to go back to sleep. I'd recommend not letting them stay up for more than an hour and a half max generally to get the best results. And I've got a disclaimer here again. This is a general blanket suggestion that of course won't work for every single baby there is. There's always going to be an exception, but this advice as a general guide can be a massive help for you to know as a mum. If I could sort every baby's sleep routine, I'd be traveling the world in my own private jet because there is big business in baby sleep. Try asking on a Facebook group and no doubt you will have the names, prices, locations and numbers of a massive chunk of baby sleep consultants at your fingertips. I can't fix everything, but if I can empower you with some tools and ideas that may work and may help, that have come from a place of knowledge, research and experience, I'd rather that than you go on Facebook and old Susie tells you to burn incense by a particular $1,000 bassinet, a certain clock and hum a certain way as that's the only way to get babies to sleep and she knows because it worked for Dexter. If you are in any kind of Facebook mums group, you will know exactly what I mean. There will actually be a whole episode based on parenting mum groups coming up soon. So there's going to be a few nods, tears, laughs and eye rolls from you when I cover the joys that comes from those. Anyway, back to regular sleeping. I don't want you to get super hung up on clock watching from the minute your baby wakes till that 45 minute mark. But you will find now that you're more aware that in between that 45 minute mark and leading up to that 90 minutes, your baby's going to be showing tired signs and they're more likely to settle off to sleep easier and potentially even on their own if you catch them when they first start showing those signs rather than waiting till they're barely keeping their eyes open, they're cranky, they're tired and overtiredness hits. I'm going to put a post up on my Instagram and Facebook about tired signs, but you can also find a bunch of information on tired signs if you Google, ask your midwife or any child health or maternity nurse that's looking after you. As a general rule, there are things like yawning, clenching fists, a few jerks, sometimes even staring off into space a little bit, and even attempting to suck their fingers as they try and settle themselves that are good tired signs to keep an eye out for. Jumping on those signs before they turn into crying makes for a much nicer experience in getting a baby to bed and settled off to sleep. Trust me. I've worked with many, many new parents who didn't actually know the signs and instead thought their baby was hungry or needed more attention or thought the little jerks were even baby wanting to play and then placing babies under playmats and under stimulation. Once I talked to them about what the tired signs actually were, Acting on them actually made for better naptime routines and a more chilled out baby. And that always means a less stressed mum. The next thing I'm going to only very briefly go into 
is settling your baby. This topic is probably as controversial as asking someone if they like or dislike Donald Trump. In this day and age of social media, you can be damn near condemned if you mention or follow that you follow a routine or use controlled-based crying. You can, on the other hand, also be struck down alive if you mention that you don't like those two options. You literally cannot win. My advice, do what works for you. It's your baby and your sanity, your family, your household. And you know what? The reality is no one else is going to be there in the middle of the night or even in the middle of the day when you are trying to get your baby to sleep. So it is literally no one else's business but yours what you do. If more people kept this in mind, the world would be filled with far more content mamas, I assure you. My thoughts on this will be short, as I also don't want to be chastised from the online world. But for me personally, I did use controlled crying to teach my children to self-settle. Did I let, does that mean I let them scream all day until they're blue in the face, stressed beyond belief, vomiting from screaming? Of course not. I love my kids and I was not intending to harm them. But did I believe that for me and my family, I needed some order and some routine? And did I feel the need that I needed my babies to be able to self-settle themselves? Hell yes. I needed that for my own sanity, my own maternal mental health. And as a young mom, I mean, I was 22 when I had my first and I was pretty much juggling on my own pretty much most days. I knew what I needed to do to help me get through. I did. I taught my eldest to self-settle and it didn't take her long. There was no scream-induced vomiting. I was regularly in there assuring her I was there. Apart from being tired and having some angry cries for a wee bit, she generally got the drift pretty quick smart and went to sleep. From then on, generally, she didn't even let out more than an angry squawk when I first laid her down. So for me, this worked. To be honest, I did it with all four of my kids, and I would do it again. On the other hand, though, there's some people think that is absolutely horrendous, and that's okay. If you don't like it, or don't think it's for you, that's more than okay. It is your life and your baby and your parenting style. Controlled crying wasn't just laying my child in bed, saying goodnight, walking away for two hours while they screamed, were heartbroken. That is crying. There's no control in that. But honestly, I think that's the image people have in their heads, which is why the whole term is so controversial. But again, do I judge mums who don't let their babies self-settle? Do I judge mums who put their babies to sleep every single night before they put them in bed? Freaking of course not. More power to them. If that works for you, keep it up. Keep doing it. To be honest, I'm often a tad jealous that there are mums out there who get to sit and cuddle their babies every time they're putting them off to sleep. They get to have that one-on-one time with them watching them fall asleep before every single nap. And that's their normal regime. And that absolutely sounds beautiful. But for me and many others, that wouldn't be good for my own mental health. And I, to be honest, me personally, I'd struggle with feeling anxious that it was taking too long, feeling flustered about all the things I needed to do. And that's not because I wanted to do too much or I was being self, but for me, not having a bit of control and having a bit of routine would have been a time bomb for my own maternal mental health. And I knew that. So I acted on it and did what worked for me. Other mums are the same and it works for those who do it. And what other alternatives work for other people is perfectly okay. Heck, often you even have more than one baby and you literally do what you've got to do to get your baby to sleep because then you've got to run away to stop a toddler jumping off the bench or escaping out the door. My takeaway message on the sleep debacle, debate, whatever you want to call it, is absolutely do what works for you. Do not let yourself be judged because there's half the mums out there doing it your way and there's another half out there doing it the other way, whatever way you choose. 
And that is okay. So please, please, please keep that in mind when you think about what you want to do for your baby as far as self-settling or being settled to sleep by you. You have probably already Googled this next statement as well. And for those of you who say they haven't, I actually don't believe you. A common question is, when will my baby sleep all night? The 100% correct answer to this question is when they want to. Not what you wanted to hear, I bet. But let me break this down for you. I have four kids. I have used the same sleep routines, the same bedtime routines, the same feeding regime, and the same parenting style for every single one of my four children. The first one, she slept through at six weeks of age. Second one, she slept through at four years of age. Get that? Yeah, four years. That You did hear me correctly. My third slept through at 11 months. And my fourth, he often still wakes up during the night now and he is two and a half. Is there a surefire cure to get your babies to sleep through? No, absolutely not. My kids are all different people and they were all really different babies too and that's okay. What your niece does or nephew does or godson does versus what your baby does will be absolutely different and it's not down to your parenting but it's just the baby themselves. Would it be nice if there was an easy fix? Oh, how yeah. Don't get me wrong, there can be medical reasons why some babies don't sleep through and there can be things related to feeding or sleep environments and things like that. And by all means, if you're worried, get these things looked into and ask for help when needed, absolutely. But I'm talking about here, a healthy, well-fed baby, they'll decide when it's time and we all just sit and hope that they aren't like my second child who decided the time for her was four years of age. Yes, I was exhausted and absolutely shattered. If you can just try and roll with it, it'll happen eventually, I promise. Heck, there's no teens still waking for mummy cuddles in the middle of the night in this world, probably. They barely wake in the morning without prodding. Trust me, I know I have a 14-year-old right now. So let me wrap this up. Did I solve the world's infant sleep issues and give you some surefire tips to ensure that this episode, you're going to be sleeping all night from now on? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, sorry about that. But if you took a tip or two about swaddling or about awake times or about feeling simply empowered to make your own choices when it comes to settling your baby without the fear of judgment, then I can walk away from this episode with my own little mic drop moment and just knowing that I've helped someone out there. Sleep is essential for us and our babies. So just keep persevering. Keep trying little things that may or may not work, but all in all, just remember Again, rocking my most favorite parenting saying in this world, this too shall pass. And until it does, grab those moments to rest while you can. Good luck with navigating this crazy world of infant sleep and deprivation that comes along with it, ladies. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.